welcome to this month welcome to this month's science and filtered podcast it has been a strange year to say the least but while there's been some negative news out there there's also been uplifting stories especially in the world of science today we're going to talk about some of these positive impacts that science has made on the world recently along with hearing from a unique duo paul winkler phd of analytical chemistry from sciex and sean orlowitz from phenomenics as they discuss cannabis and chromatography during Dr. Winkler's sixth episode of his podcast, which can be found on his LinkedIn page at linkedin.com slash Paul Winkler. So let's listen on this LCMS Geeks and Cannabis as Sean talks about his tips, tricks, and challenges in cannabis analysis with Paul Winkler. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the LCMS Geeks and Cannabis. I'm Paul Winkler, aka Captain Cannabis. And, you know, as the title is LCMS Geeks and Cannabis, and Cannabis, I thought probably we should talk a little bit about the LC portion of that. So today, I'm very pleased to have Dr. Sean Orlowitz of Phenomenix. Sean, welcome to LC Geeks and Cannabis. Sean, why don't you tell us about yourself a little bit, buddy? Uh, well, uh, Paul, uh, my name is Sean Orlowitz. I am the business development manager for Phenomenex for cannabis and food, uh, as you said, uh, maybe more on the LC side. First, let me congratulate you on your success of these webcasts. Uh, they've been wonderful, and I'm just really happy to be here. I even got dressed up for you. Tried to, I Sean, you're looking sharp. Stop. You're looking sharp, brother. It's a good look. James Bond, even. <laughs> just following your lead, buddy. <laughs> so, Sean... Um, you uh, you also ran Phenova, I believe, right? So yeah, uh, Phenologics, but Phenologics, yeah, not Phenova, Phenologics. Um, so uh, the thing I hear a lot, and I certainly heard this a lot of different conferences. People say, "Hey, LC of cannabinoids, dead easy, not a problem." How do you stand on the subject of the ease of cannabinoid analysis? Well, in the honor of uh, the recent documentary, The Last Dance, I mean, winning championships was easy for Michael Jordan, but uh, I can't play horse. So uh, it's really relative. Uh, a lot of people say cannabinoids are easy because, you know, they are maybe easier than pesticides, which I'm sure me and you will talk about. Mm -hmm. But uh, chromatographically, cannabinoids are fascinating. And uh, frankly, they're deviant. And so it's easy to run them once. But in this environment, we are doing really hardcore quantitation of cannabinoid profiling. And to do that consistently day in, day out on a variety of different matrices, it's quite challenging. Um, a lot of chromatographic fundamental issues come into play in regards to stationary phase activity, in terms of mobile phase preparation, in terms of sample prep. And so um, it's not, it's easy to do once, Paul, but to be honest, to do it consistently, accurately, day in and day out, it's quite challenging. Do you think when you're analyzing cannabinoids, really hemp in particular, that there are potential problems with coelutions such that something that really shouldn't be marijuana and should be hemp, you know, we have an error, all of a sudden it's above 0.3%? Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, especially in the early days of the industry, this is a struggle that, uh, that a lot of people had. Uh, you know, just to give a couple examples of, uh, you know, uh, high CBD flowers or hemp flowers typically have more complex cannabinoid profiles. Uh, one of the most common cannabinoids that's recently become of interest is CBG. Well, if you ever look at the potency assay or the, the chromatogram of a, of a high CBD flower, CBG comes out right next to CBD. 
Uh, and I'm not saying that it was ever malicious, but I do think that in early days, the common coalition of CBG with CBD was actually elevating the quantitative numbers. Uh, for most people uh, who don't have your wonderful mass spectrometer, uh, we're using UV detection, which really we use standards and retention time to identify cannabinoids. And so if we have a, a coalution of a cannabinoid, maybe that's not in our standard mix, or a terpene, which also really, uh, they light up by UV quite a bit, and they're often in percent levels. Uh, if you get that coalition and you don't have the, the selectivity or, or really even the specificity to separate the two, absolutely. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. Um, kind of, you know, and maybe, you know, me and you kind of can go back and forth because you are as much of a chromatographer as you are a mass spectrometer. And uh, I've got a little bit of experience in mass spectrometry myself. A little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that people often, you know, there's a marriage between the two. There's a lot of isomeric compounds, even just within the cannabinoids. You know, you've got isomers of THC and Delta-8 and Delta-9. Uh, there's a couple lesser known ones in XOTHC and now Delta-10 people are talking about that a mass spectrometer doesn't have the specificity for, but the, the chromatography does. Uh, also, CBG is an isomer of THC, easy to separate chromatographically, but if you're looking at just the MRM or the mass spectrums, it uh, could be quite confusing. And so chromatography still plays an important role. Yeah, yeah definitely so. So then I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about pesticides. Oh, yeah. What do you think are the top two to maybe three challenges for, do, for separating pesticides in cannabis? Yeah, uh, again, uh, I would be ignorant if I didn't talk about the matrix. Uh, we all have a, 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 some good experience over our careers in terms of residue analysis, but the cannabis matrices is very, very challenging. Um, and so that brings about some specific challenges in, in general, just in terms of uh, the matrix affects ion suppression. And, uh, and so kind of translating that into the chromatography, which is sort of my expertise, um, you know, really trying to remove or at least minimize uh, the matrix effects ion suppression uh, can be done chromatographically. And I think that we've found ways to do that, at least uh, some sort of best practices. A good example is the polar pesticides, right? Um, so one of the most struggling, uh, one of the hardest ones that we have to do here in California is diminizide. It's very polar, uh, historically comes out very early on the chromatogram, sometimes very close to the void volume. Well, that's a that's an area of the chromatogram that really suffers harshly from ion suppression from the matrix, right? And so uh, I think we've been able to, to be, use different column chemistries to retain those polar pesticides, pull them out of the void volume, get them away from that big suppression zone. And then not only that, you get better peak shape, which makes easy quantitation at low limits as well. Uh, one more factor that's really important when running pesticides in regards to column chromatography is the format of the column. This is something that, uh, that Paul, that, that uh, some of your colleagues have really taught us about was, you know, when we run pesticides by LC triple claw, we typically use a wider bore column, a 4.6 millimeter column. Typically, you know, those are the sizes used for UV and, and mass spec. We use, you know, more micro bore type, type formats. But for pesticides, it turns out that we need the extra capacity. We need that wider bore column in order to have the increased capacity for lots of things. One of which are these cannabinoids that can be present at percent levels or even 10, 15, 20% right. in order to just be able to really absorb some of those, even though we're not necessarily analyzing for them, but to be able to handle them so we don't overwhelm the entire chromatographic mechanism of the column. So um, uh, that all being said, the next challenge uh, kind of down the road is the sensitivity, right? Um, yeah. Hitting these MRLs, 
whether it be California, Canada, Massachusetts, or really anywhere which has really low levels, um, the name of the game is sensitivity. And again, robustness, hitting that LOQ in matrix over and over again. And uh, it, it's, it's a really hard thing to do. You need some really robust equipment. Uh, you need some robust protocols. You need some really good scientists on end. But uh, it is not an easy task uh, to do pesticides just about anywhere. But uh, when the states that have 66 or 96 pesticides at you know, parts per billion levels, it, yeah, that's a challenge. And uh, I salute all the people out there doing it every day. All right, Sean, I want to say thank you very much. I really thought this was a great session, a lot of, uh, a lot of information here. And for any viewers, if you want to learn more about uh, separations, go look Sean Orlowitz up on the Phenomenex website. He's got a lot of information. Drop him an email. Uh, very, very good uh, chromatographer. Yeah. And okay. if you got any questions or uh, you guys want to see a topic we haven't talked about, let me know at paul.winkler at syx.com. Everybody stay safe. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much, Paul, for lending your podcast to ours this month. Please don't forget to check out Paul Winkler's LinkedIn page to listen in on his other episodes. Now it's time for some good science news. A patient has been declared cured of HIV, and it's not even the first time. Researchers have announced that for the second time ever, a patient carrying the HIV virus has been declared cured with no trace of infection in his blood 30 months after he stopped traditional treatment, undergoing a specialized type of stem cell therapy. This achievement doesn't constitute a generalized cure, but because the patient also had a type of lymphoma that enabled him to receive this experimental treatment, it does demonstrate a real breakthrough in medical science, showing scientists are able to push the boundaries like never before. One of the biggest challenges in widespread adoption of renewables remains the problem of large-scale storage. However, in this good news story, there is one excellent solution to this problem, pumped thermal electricity storage. This approach stores electricity by turning it into heat, then turning it back into electricity when needed using an engine. Unlike pumped hydro, which requires specific geographic requirements, this type of storage can be built in many places, and it uses thermodynamic principles to store electricity in the form of heat. And the best part? It's already being tested in pilot plants. This can change the entire game of renewable energy. And finally, to round out our good news, scientists have found a clean method for hydrogen fuel production that's 25 times more efficient. Hydrogen fuel is one of the most promising zero emissions options around, if only we could produce it cheaply and without needing insane amounts of energy input. Now, a team of researchers in Tokyo have managed to do just that, refining a method that produces hydrogen fuel using a few basic ingredients, including light and a particular type of rust. A new study shows this method yields 25 times more hydrogen than existing methods. Thank you to all the scientists, researchers, and innovators out there working to make our world and community a better place. And before we sign off today, here are a few announcements from Phenomenex. Phenomenex. 
Phenomenics is still here for you during the COVID-19 situation with our working live resources page, which can be found at www.phenomenics.com backslash COVID-19 resources. And since the beginning of this pandemic, we have increased our live webinars and topics around the world in several languages. Visit phenomenics.com backslash upcoming dash webinars today to register for both live and on-demand access. And we have really missed seeing everyone at conferences and seminars this year. So we have launched a web series called Inside the Lab, where we invite a group of industry experts to discuss the topic at hand. You may have attended a webinar Phenomenics has hosted before, but this is something completely different. This series is an opportunity for you to virtually talk face-to-face with the people who design and create Phenomenics products and consider chromatography not just a science, but an art. You'll be able to ask them anything, but of course, we only guarantee expertise in chromatography. So keep an eye out for our upcoming Inside the Lab sessions on our social media pages and our upcoming webinars page. Till then, we hope everyone is staying happy and healthy and, of course, nerdy. Thank you.